It's the California Wine Country Podcast with Steve Jackson and Dan Berger. We taste, we laugh, we learn. Time for California Wine Country with Dan Berger. Dan's guest today is Derek Trowbridge from Old World Winery. And we're going to be talking natural wines and apparently a documentary on the subject. California Wine Country is brought to you by Bottle Barn, of course, and Rodney Strong Vineyards and Davis Bynum Wines. Let me take this opportunity to remind you that it's going to be rosé all day on July 24th at Rosé Soiree, the biggest rosé event of the year. You can enjoy the new releases of Davis Bynum Rosé and Rodney Strong Rosé of Pinot Noir, along with other wonderful wines. Hog Island Oyster and Bruschetta Bar serves up snacks to pair with your wines. And you can try Mariposa Ice Creamery's specialty. It's an infused ice cream with Rodney Strong's own rosé. Rodney Strong is also joined with the Alexander Valley Film Society to host a series of summer movies at the winery. Take a midweek break and bring your blankets or beach chairs. Grab some popcorn and a glass of wine and settle in on the green. Learn more about these events and more at RodneyStrong.com. Rodney Strong Vineyards, committed to community since 1959. The Old World Winery is a small family-owned and operated winery in the Russian River Valley. It was founded on the principle that exceptional wines are made better when created with a commitment to environmental and social responsibility. Here representing the Old World Winery, Mr. Derek Trowbridge. Derek, welcome to California Wine Country. Thank you, and the name sounds so much better in your voice. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Dan Berger, you're back. Yeah, and my front, too. And your front, too. And as is tradition, we always kick off California Wine Country with a sampling of wines that you've brought and what are we enjoying well, today? You know, Harry, we almost always have a cellar wine from the, you know, from my deep, dark, and dangerous <laughs> cellar. But in this case, I just I headed out the door and I said, "What do I need on a warm day like this?" And I need a bottle of dry Riesling from Australia. And I just had bought a bunch of one, so I decided to bring the Jim Barry W, which is from Watervale, which is a subdistrict of the Clare Valley in Australia. It's my second favorite Riesling in Australia. And my first was, uh, we. I brought a bottle of that a couple of months ago here. But the most important thing about this is this Bottle Barn is carrying this wine. It's supposed to sell for $20, and they've got it for under 17 This stuff is outrageous. This is the 2019 Jim Berry Watervale Riesling. And, Harry, you got it. What do you think? It's delicious. It's a very refreshing wine. And you're right. It was perfect for today. And really dry. Yeah. There's a, there is some sugar here. I get three grams of sugar, but you can't taste that. There's, nobody can taste that. I can't taste it. Derek, your thoughts on this wine? I love it. I mean, actually, Riesling is one of my favorite varieties. I don't get to make it very often, but the fruit on it is amazing. They nailed it. It's hard to do dry and right. And uh, this one, I really like it. There you go. And they bring in a fair bit of this 2019 Jim Berry Riesling. It is really an ideal sipping wine, but it goes great with appetizers because it's got plenty of acidity. And what's interesting to me is if you don't finish the bottle, just put the screw cap back on it and put it in the refrigerator. It'll be just as good, if not better, the next day. It's, it's a delicious wine. Goes great with appetizers. Absolutely. Why didn't you bring any? <laughs> There's another story. <laughs> we have to get Mike to go down to the cellar. <laughs> I guess we have to do that again. <laughs> All right, Derek, Old World Winery. Tell us about it. Yeah, well, you know, I started it back in 1998. 
after getting a master's degree in winemaking and just decided to do something completely different, which was 100% natural winery. Just means no additives, a little bit of sulfur, that's about it. So focused on the yeast that are grown in the vineyard and bringing those in and, and allowing them to thrive. I've been doing that for, I guess, 23, 24 years, something like that now. It's been a long haul, but recently that category has had its fame. So it's, it's, it's exploded. I mean, it's a category that really has no top to it. It's just going crazy. As Derek told me this in the green room, he said, a new restaurant that opens in Los Angeles has to have a natural wine section or else they're going to fail. I mean, it's an amazing phenomenon that's happened all over the country. People want natural, and they want they want zero this and zero that. They want nothing added that doesn't improve the breed that is not from grapes. That's what you're doing. Mm, I appreciate that. And even you know, like a fried chicken joint is having a natural wine list. You know, it just <laughs> it's breaking it down and and making interesting things happen in interesting foods and interesting wines. Um, the, the flavors, I think, are the key. Well, what's the, what what are the some of the drawbacks of of your side of the business how difficult is it to to make this and be stable and commercial <laughs> i love that stable and commercial <laughs> the biggest problem you know we, the natural wine as a category or subcategory whatever it is uh has had its issues with that and and me too you know i've bottled wines that didn't quite work but they were still uh, economically viable because they were still interesting and and had value to, to certain people. Uh, yeah, so but it, it's definitely a, a, a riskier business than typical, and I think that's why all the products were developed was to you know cover your butt, as they say, you know, so you don't have all this money in grapes and have it go bad, which I could understand. Well, I was at a wine competition as a judge a few years back, and I remember when I walked into the room for the first time they had already poured uh, a flight of wines and I think there were 13 or 14 wines sitting there on the table in glasses ready to be evaluated and the one thing that scared me to pieces was that every single wine was exactly the same color (laughs) everything there was not one bit of variation in any of the wines it was like that somebody had added something to the lighter wines, and they had taken away something from the very dark wines, and suddenly all these wines had exact – talk about that. Oh, man. Well, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's what I learned to do in my master's degree, use technology, uh, and you get a perfect wine. You know, and I think we've reached the, the age where that's, you know, valuable in a certain regard, but there's a, a whole segment of the population that's saying, you know, we want not perfect. And, and so – you know, it, it, there's a there's a film called Living Wine, and in it I say, you know, I'm 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 making flawed wines as as a purpose, and they're flawed based on what I was taught as a wine judge. You know, which you have a lot of experience with, and I just I I feel for what what you experience. There's there's so many uh, tools that now we've homogenized most wines, and that's a tricky component to be in. I've used that term homogenization to refer to wine often in articles where I'm critical of techniques and tactics that are intended not to improve the aroma or taste but to improve the commercial acceptability and to me that's really a fault not not a benefit (laughs) yeah what we learned in school was how to not destroy you know a twenty thousand gallon tank of wine i mean that's what everybody would like to see if you're going to be their employee and what i chose to do was the opposite (laughs) 
<laughs> make small batches and you know potentially nearly destroy them well and 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 used a word about five minutes ago which i <laughs> remember you using and it dawned on me i gotta write this word down it's called interesting mm. and boy i'll tell you that is what what isn't it interesting that we're always looking for something of, of, of 99 points or something. And nobody's ever used the word interesting to refer to. I mean, I don't mind spending 6 or 8 or 12 or 14 or 30 or $40 for a bottle of wine as long as it's interesting. I don't want something boring. What do you have What do you have there that you look it looks like you've got a wine that's not red and it's not white. Tell me what that is. <laughs> yeah, that's one we call Bloom. It's it's sold out. I brought a bottle here for us to try tonight. And this is in a category let me give you a little more. Okay. A category we call chillable reds, which is as far as I know, mainly in the natural wine world. Um, and so, you know, you take this, you put it in the in the fridge, much like you would do a rose. But this is meant to be brighter, deeper you know, it's not it's not rosé. It's darker, but it still has a really beautiful. It's color. really red. I mean, it tastes mm. red. It smells red, mm. but, but but it's, it's not deep, rich red. No, it's uh, it's a very light, yeah. elegant. It's a little bit sort of rustic. Yeah. But the charm of this wine is the fact that it's it's what it is. It's not what it's supposed to be. Mm. It's not supposed to be something. Now, what are the grape variety? What what grape variety are you using here to make this wine? Yeah, well, this is crazy. It's a Pinot Noir, a Boreau, a little bit of Merlot. A Boreau? Yeah. <laughs> That's why I like this wine. It's interesting. <laughs> it doesn't abore you? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Harry. I need to figure that one out. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to make anything boring. And, you know, even though that's the word, hardest word to say, a Boreau. Uh, it's a you know old Basque variety that I've done a, a number of different wines with, uh, but too much tannin for the market, you know, and so we decided to take it light like this. And this is this category is really growing, uh, so we we decided to make life easier on us and our salespeople. Oh, this is really delicious wine. It's it, it's elegant, and I think the most important part about why this wine is the way it is is that the alcohol is listed at twelve point four percent on the label which is really a secret to great drinkability. If you want a drinkable wine and you buy something that's 15.9 alcohol, you're on your own. <laughs> get, get your skateboard and attach a rocket to it because you're going somewhere else. I mean, yeah, this is not for me. No, 12.4 is perfect. And as, to me, that's exact. Now, you're out, you sold out of this? Yeah, we sold out of it. This is like the last but four bottles. And, you know, 12% alcohol is getting harder to do. And you yeah. know, especially in California with climate change and or whatever you want to call it, I call it climate challenge because I'm a farmer, and it is challenging to farm in this these days. And so, you know, it's really uh, you know calling the ball, getting the the grapes in at the right moment before it's too ripe, which is the way I want it, is harder to do. Yeah, it's very tricky. Now, you are different from so many of the more commercial wine. I shouldn't say commercial you're you're commercial too but mm-hmm. in some ways the larger wineries are sort of locked in on a style and a type yep. and that includes sterile filtration and cleaning up the product so it looks good mm-hmm. uh, this wine is doesn't have the same pristine brightness nope. of nope. all the others mm-hmm. but it has the flavor and it has the aroma so what you don't get by not filtration, by, by doing no filtration, is to get more flavor and aroma in the wine. 
And some of these other guys, their wines look better, but they don't smell as good. <laughs> yeah, and and that's a problem for me. You know, I I've played around with filtration uh, in my tenure as a winemaker, and since I guess my first wine was '94, and uh, and completely left it uh, in I don't know uh, 2012, I, and never went back. And don't do any filtration because it does strip the mid palate. To me, the mid palate, mm-hmm. the weight, you know, is the key. And I get, you know, if you're a big winery and you got to, you know, clean everything up, that makes sense. That's just the way it's done, right? I mean, it's a manufacturing plant. I mean, uh, that's not telling a story on anybody. That's just what it is. I'm a micro, you know, hand manufacturing plant. And so we don't have the access to, to all that. And, and we also like it slightly rustic. That's our market. You know, if we come out with something that's polished and, and perfect, they're like, I don't want it. Well, that's an interesting observation that you are res- responsive to your consumer. I think the more important issue in this market right now is this is a serious category that is removing us from the tyranny mm. of the numbers. Mm. We're not worried about what, how many points this get. I, wow. I'd be willing to wager that in your tasting room, that phrase has never been asked. How many points did this wine get? <laughs> no, no, when you walk in our door, you can just tell by looking around. Yeah. It's not a points winery. You know, we're pretty rustic. But uh, I love that term, tyranny of um, of of numbers. That's really well said. And, and I, you know, even I lived that. Uh, even though I was doing this different thing, I was still trying to do regular wine and, and, and get numbers. And it's just insane. That doesn't make sense for what I'm doing. And so we just completely left all that. And we just, uh, you know, there's a few people that, that dig this and they pass it on. It's word of mouth. And it's a growing category that um, thankfully has kept us open. Speaking of your tasting room, let's let our listeners know where it is and when they can visit you. Yeah, we're only uh, open Fridays and Saturdays at the moment. Uh, with COVID, it's been trouble to find people. But um, but uh, we're over on River Road, right near the freeway, near John Ash and Company. Shout out to them. And uh, there are neighbors. We're Old World Winery right there in between uh, Fulton Road and, and the freeway on River Road. It's really so close to the freeway that you, if you drive fast, you're going to miss it. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Literally. That's right. Well, let's get to the second wine that you've brought with us. It, it's looking a little deeper red, Dan. It does have a little bit more color than this little frivolous wine, but I think frivolous, I didn't want to. But I love it. Delicious yeah. wine. I can dig that. Well, th- so this is what we decided to do is, you know, in the natural wine category, tannin doesn't really go well. So our customer doesn't want a lot of tannin, which is trouble for me because my palate's tannin heavy. So we decided to do grades of tannin. This is a, a, a higher grade than the Bloom, which was a light wine. This is, I would still call this a light red even though it's quite a bit darker than the bloom, but it's still got those, you know, really purple edges, and um, and it's it's also chillable, but it's also nice, not chilled. It's well, it says twenty twenty, and it's impulse is the name of the wine, and uh, to further define it, the next line on the label says red wine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that what it is, so Dan? Very clear as that. you don't have to pour it in a glass to find that out. And then it says whole cluster. And then it says, foot stomped. Mm. Now, whose foot did you use? <laughs> yes. Um, we have a community of people that show up and stomp 
uh, you know, in, internships and, and whatnot, and um, and so it takes it takes quite a few people to, to do stomping. When you realize one bin, just one bin of grapes, especially if you do it with the stems in, which all this is 100% stems in. That's not fun. No, that is hard work. <laughs> it hurts the feet. That's I just right. worked with a group of kindergartners who would have been perfect for this <laughs> job. <laughs> yeah, they love it. They're not heavy Teen enough. Kindergartner. They- <laughs> oh, you don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> It's all that mole sauce I got. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> true and true, and it's so funny when we get them there. Sometimes you know people bring kids, whatever, and uh, and they jump in, yeah. and it's like, well, you don't want to really get your whole body in there, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but we always get somebody, a doctor or something, comes around and says, "Hey, you know what about the?" And they point at their foot, and I go. Toe jam? Oh. <laughs> they go, what about that? It's like, well, just remember what Louis Pasteur said in the 1800s. Wine is the most healthful and hygienic beverage known to man. So you're not going to get any cooties from That's it. That's true. And, and, and he discovered pasteurization in 1855. And whatever hap- what else happened in 1855? The creation of the Bordeaux classification. So, Whoa. What a coincidence. I didn't even catch that. <laughs> well, Over my head. I'm a history guy. Yeah. Well, thankfully. <laughs> keep us all straight. <laughs> We're chatting with Derek Trowbridge from Old World Winery. We're enjoying uh, some of their delicious wines. This uh, is really delicious. This is a great red wine. Hmm. I, what I like about it more than the flavor, the flavors are great. It's cranberry and so forth. Mm. What I like about it more than that is the structure, the, the acid is in there. Yeah. It's not It's not based on artificial anything. It's just pure. Oh, I appreciate that. And I, I um, you know, we, we've struggled in the market uh, over these 23 years, and we finally kind of found our sweet spot. And so it's, you mentioned red wine, and we just, you know, our customer knows we make field blends. And this one isn't a true field blend. It's blended wine. So wine's made and then blended. But it's Merlot. Uh, and Petit Syrah, actually. Wow. And the Petit Syrah was made light. And and so that Petit, you know, Petit Syrah is quite a pretty variety, actually, if you yeah. can do it light enough. Yeah. And uh, uh, in this case, I missed it by a day. It just, you know, we were letting it soak, and it got a little heavier, so it went into this one when we, we thought it was going to be into the Beautiful blend. flavors. California Wine Country with Dan Berger and our guest from Old World Winery, winemaker, farmer, Film star Derek Trowbridge. Derek, welcome again. <laughs> Thank you. We need to explain that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's a funny thing to say and to hear. You know, Lori Miller, she's a, um, a producer and director out of L.A., and she's she might be listening tonight, her and her, her or today, her, her brother, Ben Miller. And, you know, Ben was getting into natural wines and, uh, you know, sent her some, some natural wines, and that changed her perspective of wine, and she called me up and said, hey, would you be interested in you know filming some segments just to see what happened? And sure enough, that was, this is 2020. Then this whole thing unfolded, and um, Megan from Margins Wine Company in Santa Cruz and uh, uh, Chloe Saron, that's Gideon up way up north. You know, Gideon Beinstock. Yeah, Gideon yep. Beinstock. Of course, you remember that. And and so he, you know, he he's in it as well. It's uh, another winemaker as well, and. So it was interesting to be a part of it. You know, honestly, a, a movie like that could just die in obscurity. And um, we have gotten some good press because 
Laurie is an amazing storyteller. I mean, that's what it is. It's a story. It's not a movie about wine. You know, it's about the people that make wine. We're talking about an, a documentary called Living Wine. It oh. follows the journeys of natural wine. Yeah, I needed to get the title in there. I thought you would do that, but I'll take care of it. Now you got to manage uh, me. <laughs> it follows the journeys of natural winemakers in Northern California during the largest wildfire season on record. Equal parts farmer, winemaker, and artist, they stay true to their ideals of creating exceptional wines made through innovative, sustainable, and regenerative farming and without chemical additives. And this film will be showing at the Rialto Cinemas in Sebastopol, uh, opening Friday, August 19th, and running through Thursday, August 25th. So, Derek, we definitely want to have you back before then, but we certainly wanted to toss that out there so folks could start to look into it if they were interested. And I appreciate that. It was released at the the, the Marin Documentary uh, called Docklands uh, Film Festival in May, and the, they, the, the theater in San Rafael wanted it back. And so anybody, that, any of our Marin listeners can know that this Sunday – um, the uh, the San Rafael Film Institute, I think that's Film called Center. Film yeah. Center. Thank you. Yeah, they'll be they'll be doing the movie, and Lori and I will be there to do a Q and A. And I think you'll be doing a Q and A at the Sebastopol showing as well. That's correct. correct. Yeah, it's going to be a little trickier because that's harvest for me. And like ah. I said, you know, we're harvesting in August now. Didn't used to do that, um, but in California, to get it right, we got to do that. All right, so again, the documentary is called Living Wine. It's going to be playing at the Rialto Cinemas in Sebastopol in August, opening on August 19th and running through Thursday, August 25th, and we will have you back again to talk about that. But let's talk about this third wine right now, Dan Berger. This is a 2009 Merlot, which is currently still available at Old World Winery. And at a reasonable price. And the interesting aspect to this wine is it's a Merlot, to be sure. But it doesn't smell or taste like any Merlot you've ever tasted, unless you're as old as I am, and <laughs> nobody is. <clears throat> but this is re- this reminds me a lot of the 1970s, because this mm-hmm. wine has the lower alcohol, it's got the dried herbs, and it's got the fresh herbs. Mm-hmm. And then it has the black cherries that really make what Merlot is supposed to be. It doesn't have the high tannins that you will find in Cabernet Sauvignon. And for you to make a wine like this and age it, and especially because of the way it was made, and then to age it as long as you did is such a risk I cannot believe. I mean, you, you, you toyed with complete disaster financially on this wine. Tell I us guess, about this. I guess I like flirting with disaster. <laughs> the... Uh, you know the wine. It's it's interesting. Again, there's that word, but I'm a I'm a you know I'm a farm geek first, but a wine geek second. And as soon as the grapes come in, then my wine geekery starts. And it's fun to watch what the tannins come out like. And every morning, you know, I'm up early and on the crush pad to taste what it's doing, and then that's going to drive the process. And this got you know two weeks of maceration, meaning it's soaked on the skins and stems. And the stems are the key for those dried herb qualities that I love so much. They're lost on, you know, a lot of people, but it's fun to show that quality. And then the barrels kind of buffer that. They, 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 they you know, can put a little nutmeg and a little more spice. And, uh, and so, you know, we didn't expect to do this. You know, Dan, actually, we just, 
it, w- it was too tannic, really, for our customer when we first came out with it. And so we just parked it and then kind of forgot about it, literally. <laughs> I mean, I made 200 cases of it, and uh, and we just released it here uh, about six months ago, five months ago. And so, is it 2009? Yeah. I mean, that's outrageous. <laughs> yeah, not too many business plans that are right in that, you know? <laughs> well, to me, the most interesting part about this wine is it smells and tastes so young and so fresh I think part of it is the fact that the alcohol didn't intrude on those aromatics. Mm. I mean, if you had 14 or 5, 14, 5 or 14, 9 alcohol or something like that, mm. those alcohols would have covered up some of the character. Mm. Here you have nothing but purity of fruit at 12, what is it, 12.4 or something like that? Yeah, 12. You know, and I'm, I like to show nuance. So, you know, this is surly aged like all my wines, and that takes on another risk and you know, I, I like that weight, that mid palate. I feel like I'm delivering something more to my customer in doing that. And but it does, it, it, you know, increase the risk. But it also it, there's a big payoff if it's right. Uh, well, there's a big payoff in this uh, aftertaste because this wine has such a beautiful flavor, and it's not necessarily Merlot flavor. It's red wine flavor because mm-hmm. by this time it's already gotten what 12 years more time from the from the vintage. Right, but that all all that did was it lengthened the palate mm. so it gives you a little bit more flavor in the aftertaste and i think imagine how good this would go with a steak oh man this is just delicious wine you have to stop talking about food unless you're willing to bring it in okay <laughs> sorry <laughs> just <laughs> drink it with something <laughs> something anything whatever <laughs> something <laughs> a lottery ticket I don't know. Derek I, I like to ask our guests frequently if they can attri- attribute their interest in wine to something specific in their lives is there a moment where you decided I want to make wine yeah you know I happen to be one of those few people who was born into it and so my family has a winery uh, Martinelli Winery here in Sonoma County and you know, they, they what I do is is different than what they do, and and uh, and you know, they're, they're it's it's great to to chat with my family about this, and um, so I was drinking my grandfather's wines when I was like twelve or whatever, and uh, responsibly <laughs> at home <laughs> under the supervision of an adult. Thank you, Harry. It was very respectful. I love it. And I didn't know that I was drinking natural wines. You know, he didn't ever add anything. He didn't have anything. You know, he didn't go buy stuff. He didn't buy wine additives. That was never occurred to him. And uh, and so I went to school and got a master's degree in winemaking because I thought that's what you do. I'd already had a bachelor's degree in grape growing, so I was like, I'll just get a master's degree and then I'll go to work. And then I realized that's not what they teach you, not at all. And so I had to recreate what I wanted, how to recreate those experiences of what he made. That's the whole reason why I'm doing this, is just from those early experiences. All right, Dan, final thoughts on Old World Winery. It's a challenging project. The average consumer is, n- the I shouldn't say, the average consumer probably will not understand until they taste these wines, and then they realize this doesn't compare to the average. This is this, this is the wine you buy to take home and show to your next-door neighbor and say, isn't that interesting? And that's the key word, interesting. <laughs> All right, Derek Trowbridge, winemaker farmer from Old World Winery. Check out their website, oldworldwinery.com, for all sorts of information on their wines and visiting their tasting room. Derek, thank you you so much for coming in we will see you soon thanks for having me appreciate it dan what's coming up next week 
Daryl Miller from Dellinger Winery is bringing some new releases, and he's a fabulous guy, and he, he talks great on the air. All right, that's it for <laughs> California Wine Country.